Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Prime Podcast. I'm your host Bhavna and I have with me Aarti Krishnan. Hi. In this episode of the Prime Podcast, uh, we will be apart from covering the normal news headlines, we will be talking about the debt market, uh, your debt funds and what uh, strategies to follow because it has been an eventful few weeks in uh, the bond markets. So that is going to be covered in the second segment and f- now let's move on to the news headlines first the stock of tcs hit a 52 week high earlier on plans to consider a share buyback on october 11th but the stock gave up its gains shortly after that and has been trading flat to down this will be tcs's fifth buyback in 6 years and comes in a year where other it biggies wipro and infosys also conducted share buybacks It of course remains to be seen how much this buyback lifts overall sentiment in the TCS stock. The 2023 monsoon period is finally drawing to a close and uh, is ending with below normal rains with a 5.6% deficit according to the IMD. This is actually the first time in about 4 years that we are seeing a below normal monsoon because uh, the monsoons as you may be aware is the key to agricultural productivity, rural incomes and you know that inflation so uh, arthi is this progress good or can markets put this factor behind or is there something else to be uh, concerned with yeah it's not been a great monsoon so we've had an el nino year this year and right from february until now there's been an el nino in progress and that has aff- affected the spatial and temporal distribution of the monsoon so though the numbers say it is only 6% below normal This year's monsoon is a good illustration of how a five-footer, six-footer can drown in a <laughs> river with an average height of five foot. So, if you look at the breakdown of the numbers, actually the northwest and the west, central India, these have received good above normal rains, but the east and northeast have received 18% below normal, and the south is 8% below normal. And it's also been an up and down monsoon because uh, very scanty rains in June and August, normal rains in July and September. So with a strong el nino you know, actually towards the towards the end of September a positive indian ocean dipole which is called iod that developed and therefore rain sort of picked up at the fag end of the monsoon but it was not actually enough to shore up reservoir positions if you look at the data put out by the central water commission 60 of the 150 reservoirs are reporting only 60 of the 150 reservoirs are reporting 90% storage so that's why you're already seeing water wars between karnataka tamil nadu yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right so uh, the southern states like apt and karnataka kerala all of them have uh, very bad storage currently so i believe that if you look at the sowing data also i mean paddy and uh, sugarcane are up but if you look at pulses oil seeds there is a deficit so these have always been the hot spots for inflation so i believe that the food inflation saga is not yet over we could see flare ups uh, even after the monsoon closes in pulses like uh, tour and uh, we could see some flare ups in inflation but um, one thing is if you're looking uh, if you look if you're thinking about interest rates uh, rbi nowadays is saying that it will look through food inflation and it is relying more on the government to launch some supply side issues to actually tra- tackle this inflation and it's not really looking at uh, Uh, doing it through rate hikes right and to continue with speaking of inflation and interest rates and the rbi and all that 
we just had the monetary policy meeting yeah. last week where the reserve bank has held steady on the repo rate it's paused it's not hiked uh, but it continues to be in favor of withdrawal of accommodation and uh, while inflation has cooled off from the monsoon related spikes i mean right. what happened i mean it could again have had a plateau but whatever has already happened you know it has cooled off a little bit and uh, the rbi has not really raised its inflation targets right. it has maintained the gdp growth prospects so all this is actually you know if you look at it if you read it it sounds positive but bond yields actually did the opposite they went up after the monetary policy right so you know what 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 right is so it, it was a strange policy where the mpc said the usual things and stayed on hold and it it said withdrawal of accommodation which it has been it's been yeah. all along but i think the one thing that spoke the market was last time also after saying all the usual things suddenly rbi brought in this incremental crr where they said that more than 1 lakh crore of excess liquidity they would actually suck up from yes. the banks right so so at the at that time also the yields actually spiked and short term rents uh, rates borrowing rates for corporates went up now by october 7 that incremental crr was supposed to be fully withdrawn and the markets were sort of happily waiting for it but what happened was rbi threw another small bomb in the form of uh, saying that we will do omo sales to suck out liquidity so the market realized that the tight liquidity situation was not going to abate on october 7th as everybody expected i think that is what led to this uh, jump in uh, bond deals of course there's the stuff happening in the us there's plenty of stuff happening also i mean that's why we said it has been a very interesting set of weeks for the bond market so we'll be we'll cover that in the second segment yeah but uh, there's another potential pain point that can uh, happen now and that factor is now the israel hamas war that has broken out now in the gaza strip it's very early in the day to be uh, talking about it because it all depends on how this conflict uh, pans out from here how long it lasts whether other regions get drawn into it and all that but uh, just to give some uh, perspective on what the pain points could be is that um, you know it just doesn't just create yet another polit- geopolitical tension zone and contention yeah. between countries the important thing is that the region the middle east region actually the shipping straits of the middle east region account for about 30% of the crude oil shipments right so any hiccups there closure of straits any hiccups there could affect supply and that could send prices up at a time when crude oil prices are already rising right and if it escalates even higher the region is also a key supplier of crude so you know if other nations start getting pulled into this conflict it will further stoke crude oil prices and for us obviously crude oil is like the biggest right uh, factor that can have cascading multifold effects whether it's in terms of the current account deficit in terms of inflation in terms of uh the exchange rates right. you know so there are a lot of uh, fallouts that could happen if crude oil prices rise because of this tension there is i mean so like i said earlier it's it's very early in the day bit day to be talking about it we'll see it's entirely we have to see how the situation unfolds whether it continues markets equity markets at least don't seem to be, seem to be too bothered about it because they have closed flat 
to you know very mildly down the us in fact immediately after that actually the markets closed higher yes. so let's see what happens we can only you know say just be prepared to take quick action if the situation calls for it so it's a factor that needs watching but you know it nothing we cannot say or do anything right now at this point now let's get into the second segment of this podcast where we are going to discuss the bond markets debt funds what strategies to follow and so on like we said at the beginning it has been a very eventful few weeks for the bond markets with a plenty of news to contend with let's you know tick off all that's happened first there was the great news of jp morgan a large bond index provider announcing that it would include indian gsex in its gbi em global diversified index where indian uh, gsex will be assigned the maximum 10% weight allowed to any country in this index now arthi has already written a very detailed article on what this means for the indian bond market uh, vidya has also covered it in her podcast uh, as well in her earlier podcast as well so this is the first news that came out sometime maybe in the last week of september or somewhere there yeah now let's move to news number 2 which is us treasury yields now us treasury yields have been very rapidly spiking a rout in fact of sorts has kicked off in the us bond markets the benchmark 10 year treasury yield hit 4.7% a la- level that was last seen in 2007 so it's like a 16 year high the fomc in its policy meeting had held rates steady just like you know our own monetary policy right had a pause on interest rates but they also took a hawkish tone on rates being higher for longer and they did not actually entirely rule out another rate hike later down in right. uh, this year so that's news number 2 that has caused turmoil in bond markets now news number 3 which we already covered is our own monetary policy last week like we said the rbi also paused rates did not change any uh, any any estimations but the 10 year gilt spiked all the way up to 7.36 at the time we are recording this so bit of a tumultuous time for bond markets arthi that's right i mean uh, depends on how you look at it also so the higher rates are good for these very plain uh, fixed income investors who can <laughs> look forward to some more than 7.5% again but yeah so the index inclusion is a long term positive for indian gsex as we wrote also because it just opens up a new segment of buyers for indian government yeah. bonds and indian government keeps borrowing quite a bit and therefore it's good that we have new set of buyers but whether that buying will happen immediately there is a, it that is an open question and initially after this inclusion happened a lot of bullish pieces came out saying 21 billion will come in etc yeah. now slowly we are seeing a more tempered view saying that currently i mean it will come in but currently whether uh, this very low differential between indian interest rates and the us treasury which you mentioned whether that will act as a deterrent to these the bond yields actually didn't fall that much right. in the wake of the announcement exactly look at it exactly yeah. so people feel that today us one year treasury is at 5.4% and uh, if the indian government is giving you 7 and a half is it really worth it that kind of a call is going on so yes so they calls usfds i think that's why these funds and i think that's why funds are now launching these us treasury yeah yeah debt funds yeah that's right so uh 
So the question is, if U.S. Treasury yields go to 5.4%, what does that imply really? It it implies a repricing of risk throughout the world. No matter what soup the U.S. economy is in, always uh, global investors, FIIs, many of them hail from the U.S. itself. They think of U.S. bonds as the safe, safe haven, so they tend to pull out money. So in India also, in September, we've seen that uh, the FPI inflows into equity, which are very strong, they have reversed and the money has gone out. In bonds, they never utilize their limits to start with. So there is not much outflow because not much inflow either. So so that is the thing. So why is the US Treasury yield up? I mean, there are multiple explanations ranging from super optimistic ones to super pessimistic ones. So <laughs> the market is worrying that the US's um, bond market is now pricing it as a risky market because the US uh, deficit is set to go up to $2 trillion, $2 trillion. <laughs> I don't know how many zeros that has. <laughs> and the fact is that fact is that U.S. Fed usually used to faithfully mop up uh, government bonds during stimulus times, but now it actually wants to shrink it's its balance sheet. Yeah. So it's selling bonds. So it's not a counterparty for this U.S. issuance. So that is one worry. Um, the second one is that the Fed will continue to hike, as you also mentioned. The latest jobs report in the U.S. was. It, it showed that the U.S. economy created twice as much jobs as people expected. So they're saying if the job market is so good, then the Fed will be emboldened to actually hike rates further to bring inflation. So that was the second thing. The third and slightly more positive explanation is that with the U.S. economy being so strong and uh, the st stimulus being reversed, isn't it about time that the rates in the U.S. normalized to their pre-2007 levels? And Pre-2007, definitely treasuries did use to trade at 4 or 5%. So maybe we are just going back right. there and this is not sign of any apocalypse. So that is one sort of a positive theory. But there are a lot more takers for the first two pessimistic scenarios than for the third one. Because anyway, as rates are going to be high, it does have implications for stock markets. Definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so now let's move on to, uh, you know, the debt strategy that uh, one can follow in these kind of markets. For debt investors, just when returns of debt funds were looking up after that prolonged period of lower returns, for long-term funds at least, yeah. again, there has been some slight uh, reversal. But anyway, when it comes to the debt component of your uh, portfolio, there are three... Uh, products or three aspects to see. One is FDs, of course. The second is bonds or NCDs. And the third is debt funds. Now, ever since the change in debt fund taxation in April uh, this year, you know, all three are more or less you know, on par with each other. Of course, debt funds don't have TDS and you pay tax only at the time of redemption. But from an opportunities perspective, you know, you can consider all three. With FDs, it's quite simple. Like you said, it high Yields are really very good for yeah. FD investors. So, you know, that, that so bond markets and bond traders might be in a soup, but yeah. FD investors, you can rest happy. Uh, so just go ahead, lock into your three or five year deposits where rates, uh, I mean, as long as rates are high, because banks, you don't know, might cut it later yeah. down the line. We, uh, we don't know. And I think some banks have also HDFC started, has HDFC has. Yeah. So, you know, you can uh, just go ahead, invest in FDs and stick to it, especially, you know, if you uh, need income mm -hmm. 
long term fds are good to lock into now you can uh, check prime deposits for our recommendations in fds in bonds ncds now there are a lot more options because all these online bond platforms that have come offer uh, more opportunities than you had before now with bonds uh, whatever strategy you're going to follow if you're going to invest in all these uh, just one thing that you it's better that you use only whatever surplus you have yeah. to invest in these bonds and uh, don't disturb your existing investments right you can use these bonds as a diversification of your debt portfolio and not the core of your debt portfolio so when we look at bonds when we look at opportunities in these ncds we generally uh, look for the higher yielding um, bonds because you know you already have the safety that comes in fds so when you are directly investing in ncds and bonds you know you can start looking for slightly higher uh, yields uh, so what we do at least when we give our recommendations in prime bonds we look for bonds that are not rated below double a where uh, yields are better than similar 10 year fds or top rated uh, nbfcs and we don't suggest you know looking at very long term bonds so that's our approach in prime uh, bonds in our uh, bond recommendations uh, arthur do you have any yeah so uh, we are finding a lot of bonds from lesser known nbfcs in riskier businesses like unsecured lending and all that which are coming up now and uh, the one uh, retail tendency people who are new to the bond market and suddenly are looking at these mouth watering yields on the bond platforms they may go for the absolute yield say 10% looks wonderful or 11% but that is not the way you should evaluate bond yields you need to evaluate uh, your bond uh, investments in terms of the spreads that the bond offers relative to the aaa or relative to the gsec of a similar tenure so today if you look at the aaa yields for corporate bonds even one year corporate bonds are giving you 7.5% three year and five year are giving you 7.63% so the spreads that the corporate bonds the best ones uh, the aaa ones are offering are 40 to 50 basis points over the gsec yield so uh, then if you so if you're happy with that kind of a spread you can simply stick to the aaa ones and the better aaa ones with the higher yield and then you could go forward um if you are going down to aa now aa bonds are offering 8.2% for one year and 8.5% for longer tenors like 3 and 5 years so i would think that is a pretty good attractive yield actually for you to lock in and you can make your choices based on our recommendations also from the double a rated entities i would not recommend going down to triple b etc because it's uh, the triple b can teeter and uh, slip into default grade at any time so we really don't uh, prefer triple b and also in the in the in bond ratings if you see the probability of default goes up exponentially as you go down the rating scale it is not a linear progression it is a geometrical mm-hmm. one so it's uh, better to stick to double a as in that kind of a zone yeah okay uh and one more thing that we need in mind in these uh, bonds is a lot of them offer only payout options and not cumulative yeah. options yeah so uh in case if you don't need that income you need to be careful and reinvest right. that interest income otherwise you know you're just going to either let it sit in your bank and you know right. at the worst you're going to uh, be spending it yeah now all this is uh, you know just investing in bonds and getting the interest income out of it or investing in fts and getting the interest out of it 
but there is also duration as a strategy where you invest to gain from bond price appreciation where you know you want uh, at the time that rates fall you right book profit on the bond price is going up and um, now that investors can directly buy gsex can't uh, these bonds make for good investments now i mean even with the yeah. the, the, the turmoil of the bond market right. wouldn't so, it so i was checking out the latest rbi auctions and actually you are getting very decent yields of say 7.4% on seven year bonds and and uh, things like that if you buy bonds from the rbi direct platform you it is better that you plan to hold till maturity so this booking out gains before maturity that opportunity is slightly limited because retail investors can only trade in the order lot segment in that bond market and sometimes you don't find uh, liquidity for you to liquidate before which is why recently we have given a tactical call on this uh, 10 year constant maturity funds and prime investor this is because we f- we feel that the funds with long duration give you an opportunity to enter and exit at the time of your choice so if you enter a 10 year constant maturity fund at at a yield of say 7.2 or so 7.3% like now uh, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to just keep holding on until rates fall in the next cycle when you would have earned this accrual income of 7.3% every year on top of that you may get some capital gains or nav gains from the rates falling and you can exit at that time so many people ask what is the ideal maturity period that for which we should hold this see from the rolling return analysis the analysis that we did we found that uh, for three year periods and beyond actually there are no negative uh, return uh, periods in that uh, rolling return if you hold these funds for one year or two years you may face losses also capital losses because if rates go up from say 7.25 to 7.5 that would show up in the nav so we think that holding periods of 3 to 5 years of beyond is ideal for these kind of funds and that is when you may get these prop- profit booking opportunities now why do we recommend these funds at all because we find that over the long term these funds have given very excellent uh, returns if you look at sbi constant maturity nearly 54% of the time it has given over a 10% return and that becomes more probable if you time it well that is instead of buying these uh, constant maturity funds when 10 year gsec is at say 5% or 6% if you buy it over 7% then you get a better probability of high returns because nav gains also add on to your core returns of course there is also the benefit of low ter or expense ratio when you buy active gilt funds the expense ratios we found go up to 0.97% which is quite high even for direct plans whereas these uh, direct plans of constant maturity funds are available for uh, below 30 bips usually and there is also the predictability of uh, constant maturity funds in that correct. you know that their maturity is going to be around 10 years correct so you can take that kind of tactical call that right. you know yields are good in this time frame now so let's uh, lock into this or let's take this opportunity right unlike other gilt funds which you know they might mm-hmm. go short term or they might go very long term and right. very aggressive so that uh, it so you the volatility may be higher you don't know that so that's one of the other reasons why we tend to prefer yeah. constant maturity funds because there's a lot more predictability in the way returns can happen or their Uh, behavior right right at the same time i just want to have a caution here uh, people have also been asking us should we go for the really long term funds like 25 year 30 yeah. year 
Now, given that there could be, there are all these geopolitical risks and U.S. yield problem, etc., looming over the horizon, we feel going in for real long duration like 25, 30, etc., if the yields were to spike even a little, you would face an outsized loss on your investment. So, we feel that in the 10-year, these risks are somewhat contained and the 10-year is also one of the most liquid instruments in the market. It is also the GSEC which will attract the maximum FPA flows the day when FPAs decide to come in. Whereas with 25, 30 year, I'm not so sure. So I feel today the call should be kept to this 5 to 10 year kind of a thing rather than go back. It's the sweet spot. Yeah. So one thing we want to uh, also explain here when we're talking about all these strategies in debt. Now that's a tactical call. Just like in stock markets, bond markets will throw up opportunities like these, these uh, tactical opportunities like this. So it's important to remember that these are, you know, uh, thrown up by certain situations or circumstances in the market. And these are opportunities that you need to take outside your normal investments. In debt funds, we'd like to emphasize as we always, always say, the overarching point that you need to follow or have in debt funds is to always go by your time frame. That is the only, only way you can build a solid debt fund portfolio. You cannot keep shifting around between debt funds based on what is happening in the rate cycle. Now, why does time frame uh, become so important is because when you have a short term time frame, you there aren't that many options available to you like Arthi, you just said yeah even if you follow a strategy like we just said the constant maturity there are possibilities that you can give a loss in one year or two years so we don't know what time frame it's going to play out in so if you have a short term horizon that is that you need that money for any purpose in one to three years you cannot be taking such tactical calls right so your options are going to be limited to uh, a certain set of uh, debt fund categories like, you know, uh, low duration, ultra short, money market, short duration, or uh, in FDs, right? So when you have a short term horizon, you don't have the option to do anything other than simply go for funds or FDs that meet that requirement. Now, in longer term, that is when, you know, your portfolio is uh, susceptible or open to the ups and downs of right. the interest rate cycle of prices going up, prices going down. So how do you address this? Again, the best thing you can do is to steadily invest in a mix of debt funds with different maturities or types. By that, you use a mix of short duration, corporate bond and guilt or constant maturity funds. If you have more to invest and you want more variety, then you can add a medium term or a credit risk funds as well. So what this ladder approach of maturities in debt funds will do is to hold up your debt portfolio throughout across rate cycles. So for example, short duration funds reflect rate changes quicker in their portfolio ITMs. So when the rate cycle is going up, the portfolio items and returns are going to rise faster than the corporate bond right. or medium duration or guilt fund uh, returns right. and YTMs. So this higher return that will come in earlier in the cycle will help compensate for whatever loss that comes in your 
कॉपरेट बॉन्ड और लॉस और लोअर रिटर्न केस में भी इन योर कॉपरेट बॉन्ड और गिल्ट फंड्स देन वेन द रेट साइकिल इवेंचुअली मूव्स बैक डाउन वॉट हैपन्स इज दीज लॉन्ग मेचोरिटी फंड विच इज योर कॉपरेट बॉन्ड और गिल्ट दे विल स्टार्ट टू हेल्प बिकॉज वन दे वुड हैव लॉक्ट इन टू हायर हील्स फॉर लॉन्गर टर्म्स वेन हील्स वर अप सो वाइट विल स्टे अप एंड इट विल टेक मोर टाइम फॉर इट टू रिफ्लेक्ट द लोअर रेट साइकिल एट दैट पॉइंट so you know you're going to get higher ytms even while the rate cycle is going to be right. on the lower side and second they will also gain from the bond price appreciation as the rate cycle moves down so when you have this mix of short duration corporate bond gild what you're doing is to uh, let's say rate proof your portfolio so yeah. whatever happens in the rate cycle there is at least one part of your portfolio that is uh, delivering for you so you don't need to worry about what to do because rates are falling or what to do because That's rates are rising you actually you can ignore everything that is happening because you have built this broad portfolio so just continue investing in it you have no uh, reason or necessity to exit your funds i mean provided of course they are all quality funds there is no need to exit your funds just because you know the bond markets are doing something or your funds returns are doing something yeah. it is when you have a surplus to invest and you want to take advantage of these pockets of high return that come up from time to time that is when you use the strategies that we give i mean what we recently gave one and over the last year i think we have given plenty because yeah. debt markets had that many uh, opportunities that came up so every time we issue such strategies it is for additional uh investments that you make it is not for you to disturb your existing investments so it is similar to uh you know when you when when you give a call on a sector fund that there right? you have your sips running in your normal you know, core uh, flexi cap or other funds and you add on this layer on this sector fund automatic yes so don't disturb your existing debt funds and sips whatever the market is doing you just have this mix of so just go by your time frame in picking the funds when you have a longer term time frame uh use this mix of short duration corporate bond gild and just invest additionally in strategies that we issue to pick up these different uh pockets of return so that should be how you approach debt funds whether it is in this current debt fund market or any debt fund market absolutely With that we will close this podcast and we'll see you next time. Prime Investor Financial Research Private Limited with brand name primeinvestor.in is an independent research entity offering research services on personal finance products to customers. We are a SEBI registered research analyst with registration number INH 200008653. The discussions or recommendations if any made here in are an expression of views and or opinions and should not be deemed or construed to be advice for the purpose of purchase or sale of any security nor a solicitation or offering on any investment or trading opportunity please make your own investment decisions based on your investment objective and financial position and using such independent advisors as you believe is necessary financial products discussed here in are subject to market risks read all scheme and security related documents carefully before investing